0: And a lot of times, your team members actually aren't making decisions on certain things that like, you want them to own because they don't have access to the information to make those decisions.
1: Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners.
2: I'm your host, Chase Clymer.
1: And I'm your host, Annette Grant.
2: And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game.
1: If you are struggling to scale your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io connect to learn more.
2: And let's get on with the show.
1: On this episode of Honest E Commerce, we welcome Adrian Dorison as she is the CEO and co-founder of Run Like Clockwork, she helps businesses to improve their profit margins, reduce waste and take an unplugged vacation.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back to yet another episode of Honesty Commerce. I am joined by the lovely and hilarious Annette Grant. Today we welcome Adrian Dorison. Adrian runs an agency or business, I'd like to say, called Run Like Clockwork. And uh, like you will probably want to know, what is Running Like Clockwork? Welcome to the show and uh, kind of explain that to us.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Run Like Clockwork is our company where we show business owners how they can design and run a business that essentially will run itself. So, both the systems and the people side of things to where you could essentially take a we, we do this like four week vacation test <laughs> where the owner has to go away for four weeks and we basically test like does the business run and grow without you being there. So that's like the ultimate of business design that we're going for and we use a lot of operational efficiency, uh, continuous improvement toolkits, but that is kind of the goal that our clients are working towards.
1: And, Adrian, let's tell our audience that um, because we have talked about Profit First and Mike McAllowitz mm. on the show. So, do you want to kind of give that history about how Clockwork is an extension of that? Yeah,
0: so I'll, g- I'll give you the, the background because my business partner is Mike McCallowitz. So, my business partner in the Run Like Clockwork business, which, you know, formalities, it's a separate business from Profit First, but Profit First is also one of his other books. And one of Mike's other businesses. So basically, we partnered together to work on the clockwork side of the business. Mike wrote a book called Clockwork, which we developed some intellectual property together on. And then I run the business side of things. So we have this concept called the queen bee role inside the the clockwork book and inside of our... Company where we basically teach people to understand, like, what is the thing that you're, what's the queen bee role of your business, and then what is like the primary role of every individual. And so, Mike's primary role is not to deliver end services to our customers, but rather, like, he needs to be writing the next book and speaking. (laughs) So, we try to keep him as much in that area as possible, but he's my business partner on this. Profit First is. An amazing tool as well. And I love that you've already kind of talked about that for people. Um, and then Clockwork is sort of now that you have kind of recouped your money and hopefully you're profitable, how do you get your time back now? So Clockwork is all about your time, your efficiency of the organization. And that's kind of how we collaborated to, to bring that to people.
2: Cool. So I'm a huge fan of Traction. And yeah. I just wanted to know have you read that book, first of all?
0: We've read that book, and Gino even endorsed the clockwork book, so I'm happy to like talk about some of the differences or whatever questions you have no no yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love to
2: I'd love to see kind of quickly compare and contrast. I think that a lot of e com businesses are kind of just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks with like how to do their <laughs> business, and yeah, having like a framework on how to figure out what's important is Honestly, an idea most people don't have in their business. It's like, that's the most important thing is figuring out what is important and then focusing on that. So I'd love totally. to see what the differences in, in the framework are.
0: Yeah. So I think that traction is a great system. Like I think it's great. I think it is a little bit more complex than clockwork. So if anyone is has read traction, there's a lot of different pieces inside. They do work. But if you're growing a small team or even like a micro business, so I would say like anywhere from like a micro to small business, which is anywhere under typically 50 employees, then I think that clockwork is a more simplified and lean approach to your operations. So. Whereas traction I like the I like the approach. I do think that it's easier to implement with larger teams when you already have a lot of different departments and then leadership within those departments uh, that it's like a little bit more organizationally structured. so our approach to clockwork, my background is in in lean six Sigma, scrum, all of the like efficiency tools so, when I was working on the creation of these tools for clockwork, I really wanted to make sure that they were simple so that people would actually implement them because small and micro business owners have like enough on their plates that they don't need this like really heavy toolkit. So I came with that approach as well as always thinking through the lens of lean and efficiency versus just general operations, which I would say traction is more like. Yes, we want, we always want to be thinking about efficiency and how to get the, you know, the most for the least. But I think it's more general operating system versus a lean, super simple operating system. So I think they both have value. I would just say small micro businesses that you're like maxed out on (laughs) everything. This would be a really good first step to get everything systematized. And then maybe traction could even be like the big brother to that.
2: Yeah, no, I can agree wholeheartedly that the traction framework is definitely for a more a larger business, you know, yeah. in short. I and we had to scale it back to work for us. Like our leadership team is three people. So
0: Yeah. Uh, and I, that's like exactly who clockwork is for. It's like anywhere from like just you and one other person on the team sometimes to, you know, we have clients with up to I think our largest client has like thirty-eight to fifty team members, so that's kind of our sweet spot. And then traction, I would say, if you have anywhere from fifty to five hundred team members, that might be a better approach.
2: Absolutely. So I'm excited to read Clockwork. I actually ordered it, and Yay. I don't know where it is. I ordered it two weeks ago, and <laughs> I just it just dawned on me.
1: Then you're like, wait it's a lo- second. If it's not here in two weeks, it's lost. So <laughs> yes. So what does it mean, Adrian? If a- to be clockwork? Is it something that you achieve? Is it something through your program that people, um, they get you know approved? Like, Talk us through what it means if a business is running like clockwork.
0: Yeah. So essentially, what we're trying to do for the owner first is get them to be the least important person in the day-to-day operation of the business. And so that's where that four-week vacation test comes in. Like, could you leave the company for four weeks and the business not just runs but actually grows without you being there? Now that's very challenging for most people. And so we have a step-by-step process to get you there. But essentially, it's the documentation of all the systems, the identification of where things aren't running as smoothly as they could, where you are tied up in certain decisions that need to be made. Uh, where the team isn't really fully delegated into their roles, but rather they're doing more of like the task rabbit approach, where they have to come back to you and ask like, "Hey, what do I do next?" Or, "I need an approval on this," or a review. Like all of those things are uh, pieces that keep you stuck inside of the day to day of the business, and so. We have a, you know, our entire system is built to get you and work you up to leaving for four weeks because usually everything happens within a business over the course of four weeks. So that's kind of the test framework. And so once you do that, I would say the run like clockwork approach is a toolkit, which is. Basically to help give you a paradigm shift in thinking. So I would also say that while you might take that four-week vacation test, and I would call you like clockworked, Mm -hmm. you're never really done. right? Because we want your team to also learn how to think this way and make sure that as the business grows, we're continuing to document the new systems and the new processes and continuing to think through the lens of efficiency that we teach. So, I think that you can, yes, get to that four week vacation. And that's usually what we try to get people through um, in our programming. And then by that point, and way before then, actually, like your thinking has changed already. Like, I had a call with a client yesterday. And we were talking about um, how they were delegating to team members, and you know, the client was like, "I actually don't delegate anything to a team member now without an outcome or a metric associated with it." She's like, "That is totally different from six months ago," and and I was like, "Perfect, right? Like this is becoming your new way of thinking. You don't need." You know me to prompt you anymore on that. Like it's just how you operate now. So that test is kind of a good way to see like what breaks when you leave for four weeks, and then we fix it. But essentially, we're imparting a new way of thinking, not just on the owner, but also on the team members, because they're a really integral part of the business. The business running effectively and efficiently without you being there.
1: So when this person, I I'm loving all of this by the way, and I'm sure there's people listening there like. No way. Right. Never could never take four weeks off. So to totally. me, that's kind of what the certification or hey, mom, we made it is when you can go on this four week trip. Yes. So how do like how long does is there a normal like runway for that that you say, hey, this mm-hmm. should be achieved in X amount of time? And then, you know, if so, how do people get started on that path?
0: Yeah. So it's not a quick fix. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> but nothing good ever is. So I think that um, the majority of our clients we prescribe about twelve months, like doing it with us. So anywhere from six to eighteen months would be my my estimation for most businesses, based on kind of where they're starting. Like some people that are listening are pretty close, maybe, and others are like, I have no clue where to even start. Right. So I think there's usually a a window of about 12 months that's kind of our average for people that we tell people to you know think about and plan for because we're going like deep into the operations and so it's not something that you want to do number one you don't want to do this really quickly or overnight and remove yourself because it will whiplash the business in the wrong way so if you just say like okay I'm you know right now I'm working 70 hour weeks and then next <laughs> next week I'm just going to go away for 4 weeks like that will break the business in not a positive way so we don't want to start there but the first place that we always start is understanding where your time is currently going so that we can start to shift it in the the right direction or the more ideal direction so we have all of our clients do a what we call a 4D analysis which is a basically a time analysis using the four work types that we identified um, that every entrepreneur every team member is also traversing uh in their any given day or week, so the four work types are doing uh doing is when you're actually executing the task right so at the beginning of running your business and maybe even now for some of you like you're doing everything so we want to classify how much of your time is actually spent doing, and so we do this. You know, time tracking analysis with people and, and have them classify these four types. So, doing is number one, deciding is number two. So, deciding is when you actually assign a task to someone else. And the reason we call that deciding is because people are thinking right now, they're like, no, that's delegating, Adrian. I'm like, well, here's the difference. When you assign a task to someone else, what happens is they can't fully autonomously operate within their role, what they have to do is they have to come back to you after that task is done and say, Hey, Adrian, what should I do next? Or, Hey, Adrian, can you review this? Can you approve this? Can you you know, tell me what you want? What decision you want made here? So you end up doing a lot of deciding, which is actually super energetically and neurologically exhausting for us. And so that tends to be where us as entrepreneurs as business owners we get stuck in that cycle because we hire these team members and then we think it's exhausting and it was just easier if we did it all ourselves <laughs> so we don't want to get stuck in that phase the third d is delegating that's when you're outsourcing an outcome or like the specific end result that you want that person's role or even like a specific project if they're if they're not like a full-time team member and they don't maybe have a full role? What is the outcome that you really want them to achieve? And then let them make decisions and, and you know, decide what they need to do in order to get that outcome. But it takes time to sometimes get team members to that place. Uh, but we want to move towards more delegation versus deciding. And then the fourth work type that we want to classify as designing. And that's all about the creating the future of the company. So that might be uh, more strategic thinking. It might be uh, designing better workflows. It might be designing a new product. It might be product development that you're doing, or identifying like what's going to be the next best product for us to launch on our you know Shopify site or whatever it is. Right. So that is like the higher level thinking. And for most of our entrepreneurs, for most of our small business owners, they actually need to spend a lot more of their time in that designing. But when we do the time analysis. We look and we see that they're usually spending very little time there. So after we do that, we just want to identify where, do we, where is it even going because that's like our baseline data and, and that we use as information to start reallocating your time in more revenue-generating
2: ways. Hey, if you're in the product-making business, then we've got great news for you. Katana is here to make your life easier. There's now a Shopify app built and designed for merchants that make their own products, manage your sales, orders, raw materials, production schedule, inventory, and material purchasing all from one dashboard. The name of that app is Katana K A T A N A.
1: Katana is designed for makers, crafters, and small manufacturers selling on Shopify. Until now, product makers selling on e commerce have had to settle with messy spreadsheets or regular inventory management software. We know they both usually suck if you need to make your own products. Unfortunately, Katana is built from ground up with the needs of a small manufacturer in mind. Production scheduling and inventory management has never been this easy for Shopify merchants. A recent survey shows that 93% of Katana's users say they love it because of the ease of the setup and how intuitive it is.
2: To try Katana for free, sign up at www.katanamrp.com. That's K-A-T-A-N-A-M-R-P.com. Or search Katana on the Shopify App Store. There's a 14-day free trial. You do not need a credit card. And when you're signing up, use the promo code HONEST to get 30% off your first 3 months of a paid subscription.
1: Check out Katana today. Adrian. do you think is clockwork for a business that has been around for several years? Or is it also just as useful for someone just starting out? Do you see people use, utilizing it in all phases and all you know time periods of their business?
0: Yeah, so I think that um, you can use it at the beginning, just as a mindset to not get caught in these things, right? Because I think it's much easier to design a business from the beginning that you're not basket woven into in terms of every decision, every doing, every execution of every task. like if you already have the mindset of like, oh, actually, I don't want to build a business in a way that entraps me that's a good mindset to go into it with for sure. I do think that the majority of the people that are ready to clockwork, they're already consistently selling something, right? Because it's much easier to improve something that already exists, right? If we have nothing, it's much harder to create an improvement or develop systems for it. So most of our our clients or the people that are using clockwork, reading the book and starting to implement it, They're kind of maxed out on their own time in some way, whether they have team members or not. But at least their product is selling. So they know that this is like a good use of their time to start like removing themselves as the, you know, the thread and decision maker of all of the things. But I think in terms of reading the book, like I would recommend that to anyone because it does give you such a different lens and mindset to be like, Oh, I actually don't want to build a business where I feel like I have to do everything because that can be addicting for us. (laughs) It can also like stroke our own ego a little bit. And by the time it's time to remove yourself or you are maxed out, you feel... Whether it's true or not, you feel like you're the only one that can do those things or you're the only one that can make those decisions. Whereas if you look at it through this new lens of like, actually, I, I'm not the only person that can do that. And how could I be building a, this business in a way that you know, has that intention from day one? So I think both. But m- majority of people that we see or a few years in, they're selling something consistently. So they know that it works and they know they want to scale it because that is where you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. Um, if you're trying to grow and scale, and you don't have the back end systems and operations ready to go for that, and you're the one doing or deciding or like entrapped in so many different pieces of the business, like either you will
2: break or the business will
0: break. <laughs> we see that all the time.
2: Yeah, I think. That mindset shift of realizing you're not special <laughs> it, takes, yeah. it it takes some time, and once you get there, it's awesome. you're like, "Oh wait, I don't have to be doing this stuff
0: right, and actually, like, let me find someone better than me
2: <laughs> to do this, stuff.
0: yeah, that's everybody's always
1: concerned, like, what if I hire somebody and they're not as good and they don't do it this much, this way and I'm like, well, what if you hire somebody and they do it way better than you? That's it totally. that's what you should be focusing on
2: not or like what if, if you hire that junior? And then you teach them how to do it, you make them better, and you give back to the community.
0: Yeah. I think you can do it either way, right? I think that, like, whether it's just hiring an expert in a specific role, like someone who already has that expertise, great if you can afford that. Um, If you can't, and you're like, I want to hire someone more junior, then great. You can train them in the way that you've done it and the way that you make decisions or the way that you developed the system to work. And it just might take a little bit longer in terms of the runway to get them fully delegated, but they could be a great protege. And at some point, if that's their primary role, like think about it this way. If you have your hands in every single department right now, there's no way you're actually able to get each of those departments to their best. Whereas if you had someone who could like be fully devoted and spend their energy and their focus on that one area of responsibility they're going to be able to do a better job eventually, right? Because they're they're not split focused and trying to have their hands in everything. Whereas most of us as as the owners, if we're being honest, we have our hands in everything. And it's not really a, a good use of our time or energy. And so you could do it either way in terms of hiring the already expert or hiring someone that's more junior. But either way, you can train people because you are not born with the information that lives in your head. And quite honestly, you it will be much faster to transfer that information from your head to theirs and to a system so that they're not... So that it also doesn't just live in their head, right? To think about that. Because if that person leaves, your small business is at risk, right? We don't want the business to... Essentially, we don't want it to depend on any one individual, but we want it. To, we want to create redundancy through the documentation and the systems that we're developing as an organization. So yes, you can train them, but we teach and preach Like as you train them and, and as you hand over decision-making responsibilities, we want to document those things. And there's different ways to do that. But it's really important that all of that information doesn't just get passed off to another person who could eventually leave or get pregnant or have an illness. You know, all of those things are real and unfortunately they happen. Well, not unfortunately if you're pregnant, but <laughs> illness, right? <laughs> like, like that's the truth.
1: Support for our podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24/7 sales and customer service on your e-commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so setup is quick and easy.
2: Simplers Network of on-demand, US-based Simplers specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts or minimums.
1: Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler Specialist.
2: Start your free seven day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S I M P L R.ai slash honest. So I actually wrote this down earlier because this is the second time you brought up uh, documentation and documenting. So, do you guys have any special tools or tactics that you like to use when documenting, documenting systems? We've tried some, you know, applications at Electric Eye that were built for that. And we kind of just like fumbled back though, you know what, Google Docs and checklists work just fine.
0: Yeah. So I think number one, like whatever's the easiest is is the thing you should use, right? Like we don't want to overcomplicate things and we also want to make sure that whatever we're using or like whatever system or um tool that we're trying to Keep all of our SOPs or documentation in is something that our team is actually using. Because if we just create this like big binder manual and no one ever looks at it, it's not really that helpful. Right. So the way that we typically approach uh, capturing systems, we have an entire chapter devoted to capturing systems is via video. So we're not huge fans of written out pages of SOPs because of a few reasons. Number one, video capture is going to be the easiest to do. It it doesn't take you any additional time. You're just going to screen record yourself as you actually do the task because that's the number one objection that we get when it comes to documentation of systems. People are like, I don't have time to sit there and write out my standard operating procedure for this thing. So it just gets pushed to the back burner and it never gets done. Well, I totally understand. How about you just record yourself the next time you're actually doing it? (laughs) And then you're killing two birds with one stone. We're able to get it documented. And now you have a tool that you can easily hand over to someone else because the other thing that people say is like, I want to hire someone or I need to hire someone, but I don't have the systems developed to... And it's going to take me more time to train them. So record as much as you can via video because you're also not going to miss steps when you do it. So, a lot of times when we write SOPs out, we are like, we do these tasks or these processes, usually second nature now. They're default to us. And so we end up forgetting some of the steps that we would need to write out. Whereas if you're recording it via video, you're not going to miss anything because you're actually going through it. So, just talk yourself through the task. Someone else will easily be able to replicate it pretty much immediately if you hand over that video and then the other thing is you you can you know get it transcribed and if you if you prefer to also have it text based or add a checklist to it that's something you can do in step 2 but the other reason for video is things are changing so fast especially in a lot of the tech tools that we're using so recording a video is like path of least resistance just do it because the next time you update it you're your your written out SOP that took you hours to develop is probably gonna be obsolete in three months. <laughs> Whereas if you do a video, it's much easier to update as well. So that's our like favorite approach to documenting certain systems where they're easy to capture. We've even had like people who don't have online businesses capturing systems. So anyone can do this, and especially if you have an e-commerce business, like pretty much everything that you do and touch is gonna be easily Captured via a video, and we recommend uh, Loom is a really great tool for capturing screen share. There's, I mean, there's tons of tools, but Loom is a is a great one. And then I do like things like Google Drive for storage. Right, so uh, I would not make things complicated. Some of the like SOP systems and tools that are out there are pretty rigid or constrained in terms of how you can set them up. And it's what I've heard from team members is it's just one more thing to log into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we want to make sure that everything is easily findable and searchable. So make sure that the way that you name things in your storage system is easy to a point where I, someone who's not on your team, could go in and find things really easily. Because if you've ever searched for like 45 minutes for a document opened up 10 documents only to find that the one you're looking for still isn't in there. That's an inefficiency inside your business. Think about that in terms of team time. I'm literally paying people to search for documents just because we don't have like an organized storage system or naming convention for our files. So that's something I would absolutely recommend it's something we work on with our clients because it's, you know, easier to see in a physical space. And a lot of times, your team members actually aren't making decisions on certain things that like you want them to own because they don't have access to the information to make those decisions. So sometimes it's living in a Google Drive. Sometimes it's living in your head. But we also recommend making, creating documentation on like how you make decisions as well because that is uh, a little bit different than like capturing a you know a screen grab of like a step by step process versus something that's a little bit more nuanced. How do you make decisions from that place, and you can use decision making guidelines and tools and document those as well?
2: absolutely. I do use video all the time, but we have some people on our team that like like it in writing, and you know there's different types of personalities um but the one thing I do wanna I don't know if you touched on this per se but was like it doesn't have to be perfect you know the video (laughs) you can screw up in the video who cares you're showing an employee a friend whatever they're helping you out with something you know no one no one's gonna make fun of you if it's not perfect i don't even know if to make fun of you it's just it doesn't matter just get it done it's
0: just like yeah if you're a perfectionist just let that go because the idea is like to get things off of your plate and the fastest way to do that is to screen grab something and then hand it over to someone else. And the best part of our approach is also like once you hand that over to someone else, and it's now a task that's been transferred onto their plate, they now own the updating of that Mm. system or that process, for example. So if the tool does, for example, if a tech tool does you know, install a new feature, and now that has changed the way the process works, and so the video is now obsolete... The team member does not need to come to you and say, hey, Chase, like, you know, Active Campaign updated their thing or Shopify updated their, you know, their setting. So that our old process doesn't work. How should I do it? Well, I don't know. Like they updated it. You own it, you figure it out, whether you need to call support, whether you need to just play around a little bit. And then they have to update that system with the newest process. So everyone owns their own areas. So ideally. This becomes much faster as well in terms of documentation as your team starts to own their roles.
2: Absolutely. And I think you you touched on something there. It's that like if you're a perfectionist, you need to let that go. If you are <laughs> no one is if, if you are just innately good at design or or development and you're scaling beyond a one person shop you're going to hold your team back by micromanaging and being an ass you know what i mean like yeah. just let them grow let them make mistakes help them be a better person with the whatever role but growing a business you're not going to be if if you're going from one person shop to an agency for example i'll use that like you can't be doing all the time you can't be doing that work and you need to let it go and it's not that good enough is good enough but at the end of the day like it is it gets the job done like to a client they won't notice some crazy weird design thing that you'll notice because you're so in the in the weeds there.
0: Yeah. And I think that like the opportunity for for you to like continue to remove yourself from the doing that really bottlenecks the growth of the business is really important. And the team members, like you said, they're gonna learn from the like that's the only way that they're gonna learn. If they have a safe place to make mistakes, if they have a safe place to test things out to get creative, to try their best, and then continue to improve. Um, But if you can identify as an individual, like as the owner, what is your highest value to the organization? And if you're trying to scale, it's typically not going to be in the doing. And if it is in the doing, it's going to be in a very specific type of doing. But most of the time, as the visionary or as the owner, the, the way for you to get re- beyond that bottleneck and to grow more quickly and more efficiently is to not be doing any doing at all, actually. <laughs> and just guiding and leading the team and training and continuing to develop them in different ways.
1: Adrian, do you see? So, as a store owner, like I'm, I'm busy with you know the marketing and the sales, and then fulfilling the orders and coming up with new products. And mm-hmm. so this, like the operation side, and, and delegating, and, and getting the systems down, like that's not sexy at all. And I don't see the <laughs> a return. No, I, you know that's not yeah. something on my P and L. I don't see the you know revenue from that. But what is that going to cost me in the end? by not having those processes, you know, mm-hmm. what, what's gonna make me pause and say, wait a second, this is actually going to uh, p- bring my profit higher? Like what do you see once businesses go, go like start using clockwork? Does that impact their bottom line significantly?
0: Yeah, totally. So I think it, it it absolutely affects it in two ways, actually. So when you focus just on like the marketing sales side, that's going to grow your revenue. But when you focus on the operations from like the clockwork and efficiency perspective and removing yourself as the bottleneck, it is going to grow the revenue, but it's also going to create cost savings opportunities through the efficiency work that we're doing. So what that does is gives you an opportunity to actually expand your profit margin. So if you're, you're... Because you're coming at it from both directions. So you'll actually grow much faster and more effectively. right? And the reason for that is, number one, because a lot of the tools we teach are to help you like, understand what are the things that you should actually be focused on. Number one, as a company, because a lot of the things that you're doing are not adding value. But if you're not measuring them, or if you're not clear on what those are or where are the opportunities for you to double down on things, you're wasting a lot of resources. Number two is as an individual, if you are trying to do all of those things and be in all of those areas, you're limiting the growth of the organization versus if you identify what's my primary role. Let's say it's the marketing side. What if you could devote way more time to the marketing side, yet still have all the systems in place and the team in place to deliver with excellence on the operation side? Right. So if you could devote more time to the marketing, the thing that you are best at, that helps remove you as a bottleneck to the growth of the business, which is going to be more efficient. It's also going to increase revenue. So the idea of systematizing and getting the operations like that is maybe not as sexy as like just focusing on the marketing but what we're going for here is as you desire to grow and scale is like also giving you the quality of life that you want <laughs> so not only is it going to provide more growth but you won't be strapped or inside of the day-to-day business so that things aren't really fully dependent on you to continue to run and grow, which is ideal for a lot of people. Whether number one, if they want to sell, you absolutely have to remove yourself as the you know dependency uh, in the business. Or number two, if they just want to either have... An, maybe they have ideas for another business, or they want to grow and scale just with more excellence and maybe more free time as well. So w- one of the reasons people... Come to us uh, when they're scaling too fast. And that seems crazy because it's like the thing that many of us want. We're like, oh, I would love to grow faster. I would love to 10X or 100X what I'm currently doing. But if we walk through a sequence of like, what happens if that actually happens, right? If that actually comes to fruition, what does the back end look like? And can you actually manage it with excellence without pissing off your customers, right? Because if you grow and scale too fast, but you can't actually deliver well anymore on what you said you would do, whether it's a product or a service, whether you can't get it to them in time, or you can't order enough to get it, or you don't have enough cash flow to, to order what they uh, purchased, or they just have this really long lag time, uh, or the customer service is, is now horrible because you're the only one doing it and we've 100x what you're doing. So we have to really think about like what happens if I really grow and scale to the level that I want, and how is the operation continuing to run with excellence without me needing to do all of those things, right? Um, and I think that that is a—it's really brand <laughs> reputation management. A lot of what we do in the back end of the operation. Because that is what's at risk, especially in like the social media age that we're in. Like people find out fast when you're not delivering on what you said you were going to do, and this is a way to solve that and not make it dependent on you.
2: That's amazing. So, if any of our listeners out there are, you know, this struck a chord with them and they want to learn more, uh, what where where do they go? How do they learn more about you?
0: Yep. They can go to runlikeclockwork.com has all of our information. We have uh, resources. We have a toolkit actually that is super helpful to help you get started. We have a ton of resources in there. One of those being the time analysis. We give you like a link to the spreadsheet that we use with all of our clients so that it'll help you get started on tracking that time if you wanted to do that 4D analysis that I was talking about plus a ton of other resources inside. So if you go to runlikeclockwork.com forward slash kit, it'll give you that free kit. And then you'll get additional resources from us in the future. We also have a podcast. So if you're like a podcast listener, if you're listening to this, then you can find us the Run Like Clockwork podcast too.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Adrian. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks.
2: We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io connect.
1: Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice.